Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, afternoons with Staffy in the morning. Confused? You should be, because I am as well. Uh, just to bring some clarity to the show, we've got a couple of very uh, professional professional wordsmiths, uh, opinionites, and we welcome them both in at the same time. First of all, Andrew Gordy, welcome in, Gords. Well, I hope he's there, Andrew Gordy. Sorry, have I got you there? Yeah, you got me there. Sorry, mate. I just, I just, I, I missed you there. I lost you there for for a few seconds. How are you? You're good. I'm got potentially the best intro you've ever had, and you missed it. Oh, you're kidding me! No, oh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. Not going to so repeat. Not going to repeat it. Not going to repeat it. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and on line two, and on line two, just because he was the second uh, guy we called, not because he's number two in the batting order. Well, that's still opening. Jamie Wall. G'day, Jamie. Morning, Steffi, and morning, Gordy. Um, yeah, I can hear you loud and clear, mate, so don't worry about that. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, first thing I want to talk to you about is Super Rugby Super Round in Melbourne. Lots of pluses, few negatives. Um, I sort of want to share mine, but I want to hear yours. Jamie, um, let's go with the highlights of the Super Rugby Round for you to kick us off. Uh, well, I mean, the highlight for me was the fact that they did it at all. Um, because it's definitely a comp- competition that needs something new to happen to it. So I, I guess, like, well done for actually making this happen. Um, the, the rugby itself was 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 pretty pretty good, I guess. It, it, the only issue I had with it was that it was all quite predictable. That people were going into this thinking like, oh, the Kiwi teams are going to wipe out the Aussie teams. Um, I see. I, I was on the panel last week with Smithy, and they did predict a Brumbies win over the Highlanders. Uh, in that game, so that's the one thing I'm probably going to get right this year and I'm pretty happy about that because the Brumbies have been looking pretty good, uh, but I think the one thing that it did show yet again, I mean, and we already knew this anyway, was just how diluted the Australian talent pool uh, really is, um, because if you look at that game that came last night um, between the Crusaders and the Rebels, and we saw a trademark Crusaders uh, blitz in the in the second half there that kind of killed the game off. Um, that you know, and we all look at the Rebels as, as this kind of hopeless outfit that's, that's not going to make the playoffs. But you look at the sort of players that the Rebels have got. They've got you know Matt Phillip, Matt Tamora, um, Reese Hodge, Andrew Callaway, like all very good Wallabies in there. But just the amount of guys alongside them that can't make a team like that work. They can't build a team around those guys. It's kind of concerning. And I think that the annoying thing is that Aussies are only ever going to have one or two teams that are going to be good enough every year. And so that round kind of exposed that 
yet again. But in the end, I think that uh, I, I, as a Hurricanes fan, I was happy with, with their, their comeback. It took me what was an hour to actually start playing rugby, <laughs> um, which was good to see. Uh, but, yeah, I think hopefully we got told last week by New Zealand Rugby that this was that, that the, if this was going to happen again, it was going to kind of have to uh, depend on the success of the way the first one went. So hopefully they saw enough in there to make this happen again because I'd love to go on an away trip to somewhere like the GC or Brisbane next year and um, and have a look at this for myself. Yeah, Jamie was hinted there, Gordy. The venue, uh, Melbourne. Um, I think it, it sounds good. It sounds romantic. It is the sporting capital of Australia, but not rugby. Um, I think it could have been better at Sydney or Gold Coast or Brisbane or something like that, or Auckland or Hamilton. Um, I just feel like it was potentially the worst venue they could have picked. I like the venue in terms of uh, Amy Amy Park. Oh, yes. Um, that, that, that ground is outstanding, and I actually think perfect uh, in terms of size uh, for multiple games where obviously you know, you're going to have sort of a diluted fan base, I guess, aren't you? Um, it, it's got to be like a destination thing. I don't really have too much of an issue being with it being uh, in, in Melbourne per se, although I think maybe the Gold Coast might be the, the best possible destination um, because it's a, it's a rugby, uh, rugby city, I suppose, or more so than Melbourne. Um, and it's probably a, a, the travel factor is key, I think. I, I reckon it would have been seen as a much more successful weekend if flights to Melbourne weren't absolutely astronomical uh, from New Zealand during mm. during this weekend. And that's why I'd probably like to see them have another go at it in Melbourne perhaps next year when you, when you would like to hope um, that the flights will be cheaper and you might have groups of, groups of people um, from New Zealand going, hey, why don't we make a weekend of this? Um, you know, we'll obviously get to see our team play, but we'll get to see... Um, you know, a handful of Super Rugby games, all at the same venue, and we can we can make a proper weekend away of it. But the the prices were so um, destructive, I suppose, for making that happen this time around um, that it's hard not to look at the stands and go, yeah, this this could have been better. Maybe was this the right thing to do? But look, just in terms of the actual idea itself, having all of the games in the, in the one place, afternoon rugby, um, I absolutely loved it. The only thing I probably would have liked is more upsets. I would have liked to have seen more Australian teams, like you know. Putting, putting any kind of personal sort of feelings completely aside for a moment. Um, I thought it was very disappointing in a way not to see the Reds hang on um, to, to beat the Hurricanes. Um, and, you know, geez, if, if the Rebels happened to, have, to have picked up the Crusaders, that would have been good for the competition as well. This competition just needs more competitiveness. Um, and, yep, very, very happy, I suppose, to see the Brumbies get up to beat the Highlanders, but I think we need to see more from these Australian teams to make it more of a competition. Just, just on the city of choice, Jamie, one thing that I sort of thought, and I was trying to put myself into the Australian rugby's seat, um, I was going to say the stronghold of rugby, it's probably nowhere in Australia, but the strongest place would be Sydney. They would get people there. They have a pretty good club rugby competition. So for me, it would have made more sense to go to New South Wales, to go to Sydney, perhaps give the Waratahs an easier game than the Chiefs, you know, manufacturing it a little bit, but for the good of the game in Australia, I think Sydney, and uh, maybe not manufactured draw, but um, I just feel like Sydney would have got more cut through. I know these Kiwis living in Melbourne said they didn't see an ad in the paper, on the sidewalk, on flags, on TV, nothing. They didn't know it was on. Oh, yeah, but I, I will cut 
uh, rugby Australia and Sands are a bit of a break there, um, simply because uh, they do have to work around the existing sports that are playing. And at the moment, um, the Sydney Football Stadium hasn't been rebuilt yet, so there probably isn't. The only other venue they could have it at would be Bankwest Stadium, uh, or sorry, the one, the new one out in Parramatta, and I think the NRL had that one locked up. Uh, so I, I feel like the reason that they went to Melbourne was is, might have been the only place that was actually available mm, uh, for them over the weekend. And even even then, there is an NRL game that uh, happening tonight uh, at the same same park. So hopefully that field can um, stay uh, has, has, it can be repaired in time for the Warriors and the Storm um, to happen. So I, I I think that they were just quite desperate to get this thing going and had to take the only option that they they had. So I'll, I'll cut them a little bit of a break. But I, I completely agree with you. Sydney would would be fantastic um, at this time of year. Uh, it, it just, with with it being on Anzac weekend, you know, obviously in Australian sport, it's a massive weekend uh, mm. for events over there. So finding a place to sit, maybe maybe try it a little bit earlier in the season. And if I remember correctly, uh, talking to Chris Lindrum from NZ Rugby about this, that they, they, they were trying to do this a lot earlier. Maybe, I think it was the third round originally, uh, but of course COVID uh, dealt to that. So, uh, I'll, you know, there were a lot of external factors that meant it being where and when it was. Um, so, like I said before, I just hope they can give it another go again and do it properly. And like Gord said, they can chuck on some cheap flights for us so we can go up there and get on the post. <laughs> and we go from a crowd of about 7,000 to a crowd of 94 over there in the UK to watch Tyson Fury's win over Dillian White. I don't know if either of you or both of you watched it. Hands up if you did. Oh, I can't see you. Um, Gordy, did you, did you manage to watch any of Fury's demolition of the body snatcher? Yeah, um, I didn't watch the whole fight, but obviously saw the most important part. Um, and look, I mean, fantastic spectacle, Wembley Stadium. Uh, you can't ask for much better than that. And if this is to be Tyson Fury's last fight, then I suppose he's gone out with a bang, um, a, a devastating punch. And that, that's the thing, like, um, you know, we all talk about Tyson Fury, the character, and, and he's had his ups and downs, obviously, uh, out of the ring. And, and, and I think sometimes people struggle to take him seriously. He is a phenomenal boxer. Mm. Phenomenal. And the way he has um, he has lined up and beaten the very best um, in, in this generation of fighter, um, and then to do that to, to Dillian White, who I imagine is not an easy bloke to, to put to the canvas, um, was was very, very impressive. And, and like I say, I think if that was indeed his last fight, um, he will certainly, in time, I think, be remembered as absolutely one of the one of the all time greats. Do I think it will be his last fight? No, I don't. Yeah, Dillian White. He he gets knocked down a lot, but he always gets up. And he just well, he did get up, but he couldn't stay up this time against Tyson Fury. Uh, Jamie, the the legacy of Tyson Fury, and Andrew's just touched on it a little bit there. The character, the Gypsy King. Uh, he sings after his wins, and I hope that doesn't detract from his absolute ability. The one fight everyone wants to see is him against AJ. Surely he doesn't retire until that fight happens. Yes, yes, they, the, 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 his legacy is just an absolutely fascinating one. And I, I personally, I don't think it's the last time we're going to see him out there. Uh, you know, we have seen this before. He has, did he retire or did he just sort of get suspended or something? And we thought that was going to be the end of him. But 
But yeah, you're right. Here's a guy that had came in with the reputation of um, sort of antics, and and you know he doesn't look like uh, exactly like the most stunning athlete, athletic, uh, shapeable time. But the man is an incredible boxer, and he's he's spent the last uh, you know uh, half a decade or so proving that. Uh, and he's going to walk away no matter what happens now with one of the greatest um, boxing records of all time. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, this is a little bit of a faint, a little bit of a slip. Maybe he'll, he's going to lie low for a while before they start hyping up a fight between him and uh, Anthony Joshua because uh, they could put another 94,000 people back in Wembley within a minute. They could sell that out. Uh, and uh, if you put that much money in front of someone and said, just give us one more go. Mm. And given that he is a fighter that apart from what, uh, the, the fights against Wilder, he doesn't really take a lot of punishment because of his size, you know, and he can evade um, the, the sort of heavier shots that uh, would land. Uh, I think that he's got it in him. And I, I think that, you know, every man has his price and they've just got to find it and match it. And for this is boxing, it might take a while, but I think it will happen at some stage. And the last thing, last question I wanted to ask you both. Uh, we're starting to see a trickle back of the New Zealand teams back in New Zealand with, a, with the Phoenix having a couple. Uh, the Warriors coming back July 3. This time next year, we're going to hopefully, um, let's say it's going to happen, we're going to have the Reds and the Brumbies coming to Australia, us going there, the Phoenix, the Breakers, the Warriors, back to normalisation. What do you think the response from the paying public walk-up crowds will be in a year's time? Will, will we see a positive increase in fans at grounds? Andrew, you kick it off. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question you raise um, because we were actually just talking about this uh, in the office yesterday. It really feels to me as though of, of all the teams that have been you know, forced to uh, play in Australia, over the last, well, couple of years, hasn't it? Um, it feels to me like the Warriors have fared the best in terms of maintaining a connection with their fan base. Mm. Um, and look, I know, Jamie, obviously, you, I, know, I saw um, some magnificent photos of you uh, at Eden Park yesterday, uh, particularly after the 80-minute mark. Um, <laughs> and I'd be interested to know what your sense of, of the, the fan connection was. But it really feels to me like... The Phoenix and the Breakers especially have suffered badly um, as a result of, of that. And there is going to be work to be done to restore that connection between the fans and, and the team. Uh, we were trying to sort of put our finger on it as to the reason why. I just wonder if it's perhaps the media coverage of the NRL. We've had an opportunity to, to see and hear more of the Warriors perhaps than we have the Phoenix and, and the Breakers. Just not, not necessarily during games, but just throughout the week, there's just been more of a consistent presence in the in the media and on social media and things like that. So the Warriors, I feel like, haven't suffered quite so badly. But um, but look, it obviously looked like there was a, a pretty reasonable crowd there yesterday. Jamie, the, the fans were in full voice, um, no, no trouble whatsoever getting their shirts off. So, I don't know, maybe I've got this one wrong. What do you reckon? You go, Jamie. Well, yeah, well, you, you're right. I did, I, I did, I did go to Eden Park yesterday, and I did um, fulfil my lifelong dream of getting my shirt off at a Phoenix game. Um, <laughs> never done that before, and it's uh, quite exhilarating, especially considering it started to absolutely heave down with rain as soon as I did it. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good, fun occasion. Um, I, I <laughs> um, well, I think that yeah, you're, you're definitely right about the amount of media coverage. Um, playing into the Warriors' hands because obviously the NRL is such a juggernaut in terms of content that it puts out and storylines 
and things that I don't just involve the Warriors. And I think this is the key difference you have between the Warriors and the other teams is that as uh, if you're a Warriors fan, you're still very much in touch with what else is happening around the league, like the transfers, like what players are moving around everywhere, what coaches are going places. Probably doesn't exist so much uh, among the, uh, unless you're like a real hardcore A-League or, or NBL fan, that those other two uh, leagues are very much seen as like, oh, that's something we can take the family to. And, um, you know, because there was a lot of that yesterday at Eden Park, you know, a lot of families, a lot of kids who probably don't tune in to watch um, Perth Glory playing uh, the Brisbane Roar uh, religiously every week. So uh, I, I think once things get back to normal, um, you're right, they are going to have to do a bit of, good bit of reconnection. I think the Warriors are going to get a really good crowd when they finally do come back and play. I think it's in July. Um, and also, I am hopeful, even though the Breakers have had a, sh- a really bad season uh, and, you know, just have kind of slipped under the radar, but uh, I am fairly confident that the basketball community in Auckland will get back out and support them again because pre-COVID, they were getting, they were packing out Spark Arena for every game and they didn't even have a very good season uh, at the back end of 2019 and start of 2020. Um, and I just think that just because of the sports um commitment level uh, at, at grassroots and among uh, fans that a lot of, you know, say rugby and league uh, marketing people would probably not think, uh, probably wouldn't consider. Um, to that's the audience that they're getting. And they have, they have the advantage, obviously, of playing in a smaller venue as well, so they can sell it out. So I, I think that uh, as long as their marketing people can do the right, the right things, but as long as uh, we as the media can um, get them in the headlines... Uh, then, you know, we are going to see things perhaps go back to normal. Brilliant, lads. Thanks for joining us on Anzac Day. Really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time and your opinions. Uh, We will catch up again. Thanks for your time, fellas. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall there with the panel. We'll be back with Mark Clayton in just a moment. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.